This is Anonymous from North Bend, Washington, and my wife and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore when we're being intimate. Their voices are intimacy killers. Am I right? Yep. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Killing intimacy the world over since 2014. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 478 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. Almost 100% Jesse Dollamore. Joined by the other host of the program at 100%, Brittany Page. You know, I'm going to need... I'm going to need additional information. I would like to know specifically what it is about the voices that kills the intimacy. Is it Jesse's energy? (laughs) Is it my solemn sounding (laughs) voice? My energy or your solemnity? Yeah. What is it? (laughs) I, uh, I'm not offended. By being told that my voice is an intimacy killer. I'm not offended. I just want That's more. That's it. Right there. Yes. Harder. Harder. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's not really. Uh, it doesn't even do it for me. Mm, it doesn't even do it for me. <laughs> Are you surprised? No, okay. not at all. It sounds like you might be. So uh, feeling Less better. this time? Little, little, I just sniffled a little bit. I heard it. Um, Donald coming back. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Yeah. Must've been a bad mic again. Yeah. Uh, coming back. I think I'm full strength. I'm probably going to do the NyQuil coma again tonight. Mm -hmm. That helps. But uh, yeah, you know, it's, uh, not waking up when you don't get a lot of sleep. I think, don't think your body can, what do I know? I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. It seems reasonable to me to think that if you're not well rested. Yeah. You're not your body's not able to do what it does. Yes, and hydrated. Yeah, but I had to go to goddamn jury duty yesterday. Mm-hmm. Government shut down, mm-hmm. but apparently the wheels of justice move on. How long has it been now with the jury duty situation? Because you're on the federal grand jury for yeah. those who may not know. Federal grand jury every every week, every one, week. once a week. Yeah, yep. and I think you only had one day off during the week of Christmas. That's right. And otherwise... The day after Christmas, there was no meeting. Otherwise, it is every single week. Every week, yeah, right. And how long has it been? Because you have to do it for a year, right? I think it was the the end of September that I started. Mm, So you still have... (laughs) Yeah. A long long, way to go. Many, many, many months. Yeah. Yeah. Of once a week. Yes. What a service. What a service. I feel like you should never have to serve on a jury ever again if you do this. Because think of it, you are going to jury duty, minus that one week, 51 weeks. Right. For 51 weeks. Effectively for free. I mean, I do get paid 50 bucks a time. Right. But it plus could, mileage. It can be, the longest it's been has been over seven hours before. So it's a yeah. full day of work. There have sometimes. been days that are full, full days. Yeah. How, I mean, how many times is the average person being called to serve on a jury in their lifetime? 
I don't know, two, three times maybe. And so you are going to do it 51 times just in this one federal oh, yeah. jury situation. That's a way to look at it, yeah. So I feel like they should take you out of the pool forever once you're done. Look, I'm, I'm not... And there are certainly aspects that are a bummer about it, but let me say this: it, it, it is uh, it's a learning experience. I'm I'm getting I'm learning a whole shit ton of things mm-hmm. about how the justice system works, about indictments, about legal cases, about all just all kinds of awesome shit that I think is going to translate to make the show better too. Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I can't talk about the cases because all that's secret, mm-hmm. and it will remain that way wink wink no not wink wink that is how it will remain wink wink <laughs> yeah it was interesting to me because i was listening to serial the latest season of serial and at the end sarah koenig kind of gave her wrap-up of what she believes the justice system needs to change in order to improve and one of the things that she listed was getting re- getting rid of uh, federal or I don't know if she specified federal I think she just said grand jury yeah, period yeah. and I think maybe that's because they just are there to validate the process and there's not a lot of power that grand juries have to actually push back in a meaningful way I think if grand juries assert themselves they do okay and I think the problem is um the people yeah, that they just they're they they think they're there as kind of a rubber stamp, and yeah. I, I don't act that way in there. Yeah, I ask questions. I ask questions out of turn and get told, um, "Go ahead and wait until after the presentation, then you can ask your question." I'm like, uh, "No, <laughs> nope. That's I'm not here to do what you tell me to do." Wow, I'm the grand juror. You're the legal <laughs> advisor. I mean, I don't say go that far to say that, but I'm the grand juror. You're the legal advisor as the uh, assistant U.S. attorney. No, if I have a question at any point, I'm going to ask my fucking question. So you're you're desperately trying to get out of jury duty yeah, at kick this me point. Up. This guy is way too committed yeah. to doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good thing. Um, but it was interesting to me that you you're on this grand jury and Sarah Koenig wants to get rid of them. She believes that's the solution to some of the problems. Well, I think that they could certainly. Mix it up a little bit and sh- make some changes, certainly, because mm-hmm. no exculpatory evidence gets it, it, it um, put in into the onto the record because it's just a prosecutor and a witness that is serves at the you know at the at the benefit of the prosecutor. They don't any questions that get asked by the grand jury. They need to be you know what other were there any things that led you to not believe this? I mean. You, you got to ask questions that open up the thing. So. Right. And I, tr- I try to do that. But. Yeah. But also, it's not a conviction. It's just, all right, this is okay to go to court now. Now there can be a trial. Right. So it's not a conviction. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people in the room kind of succumb to the authority figures that are in the room? and M- Most, I think, yeah. The vast majority. Yeah. Feel like they maybe don't have the education to be asking questions or don't have the knowledge to kind of rely on in order to go through the process and, and challenge some of the things that I guess you feel more comfortable challenging? Um, yeah, I think most people just keep their mouth shut and don't ask questions for the, the vast, vast majority. And there's a handful that still ask questions. Mm-hmm. But I think as we go along, you, you you don't really get to know one another as a group, but you get comfortable in a group of people that you're around every week right. to where you're not embarrassed or this doesn't apply to me because I'm a fucking bull in a china shop. We understand. But uh, 
people who are more comfortable to, you know, yeah, I've got a question too. Because mm-hmm. When you're in a group of people that you're, you don't know, that mm-hmm. you, people tend to be timid. Do you think that there's something that they could do differently in the, sorry, I don't, I didn't mean for this to turn into an interview about the jury <laughs> duty, but I'm just curious. Do you think that there's something they could do in the initial maybe training? I don't, I don't know if you want to call it training, um, but kind of teaching people that it's okay to ask questions or teaching them what they can do to push back or yeah, I think take more would, of a prominent I, I role. I do. I think it would be great. However, it would serve at the disinterest of the government because you get trained by the, by the government. Now, if you had a training from the government and then also a training from a defense attorney, right? I think that would be awesome because there's no defense attorneys in the room. Mm-hmm. And if they could give get one crack at you, yeah, <laughs> to sit in before you go sit on this grand jury for a year. Yeah, and I don't know if a regular, you know, a, a lower level grand jury sits for a year. Mm-hmm. But it g- gives me um, kind of an understanding of what's going on in the Mueller case right now. Yeah, and also it gives me uh, um, it gives me hope that because I'm working mm-hmm. on my grand jury during a government shutdown. Yeah, that the the Mueller investigation is marching on. It's not being stymied by any attempt at Donald Trump to shut down the government for that cause. So yeah, good, good news. Yeah, for sure. No, that is good news. Any other uh, brain busters for me? I think I'm good for now. <laughs> I would just remind everybody to go listen to Serial Season 3 because... What, it, are you, what are you doing? This episode brought to you by Serial Episode 3. It's definitely, season three. definitely not brought to you by that, but it is very important to listen to, so do it. So, let's get to a couple of, of calls, listener communication before we move on with the big program. Hey, Jesse. I don't think Jesse gets enough love. I, I personally think he's one of the best on the show. But uh, this is Mark from Tennessee, and uh, what I was trying to tell you about was the whole uh, presidential address, and immigration specifically. I myself am an immigrant. I was adopted uh, by a good family uh, from the Philippines, and uh, a lot of people told me, well, that's the legal way and best way to become a But you know, as a minority, it, it does turn me when I hear rhetoric, rhetoric that uh, seems to be very prevalent today. And what question that uses me is what are people generally so afraid of uh, when they hear things like this about immigrants taking welfare, food stamps, or things of that nature? And... I honestly wonder if our priorities aren't skewed and if we're not headed towards, um, you know, Islamophobia in a way where, you know, after 9-11, uh, there were reports of attacks on uh, Muslim and people of the Islamic faith. And, you know, there are video evidence of verbal and physical attacks on you know, honestly, you know, um, uh, people of a different race, minority. You know, I hate putting it in the category, but all video evidence really does show, you know, there's white people out there being just awful to people and assuming that they're illegal immigrants or that they hate them because they're Mexican 
Asian or uh, Indian or, uh, you know, all of that. It just confuses me because I know a lot of people and I'm pretty sure a majority of this nation generations back, their ancestors were immigrants you know, that came from the southern border or one of the ports of Savannah or you know, New York Harbor, things of that nature. And it worries me is the direction the country's going and if we're not going in a way that uh, you know, will make America great again in a way that uh, we were revered on the world stage as those that supported intellectuals and built things and invented things and did wonderful things uh, for the world. Ah, taken out by the knees by the three-minute time limit. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me say this, Mark. Um, I think there's always going to be... Well, maybe, maybe not always, but certainly for the foreseeable future, medium to long term for future, people are going to be afraid of what they don't know. We, we're, we're all we're going to be um, in a consistent battle trying to catch my breath here since I can only breathe through one hole in my face and it's my mouth. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to be in a consistent battle to try to push back against bigotry and a lot of times bigotry is the result of fear. And people are afraid of what is unfamiliar to them. And the best way to combat that is to is to get to know someone who is not like you. To to make an effort to do that. Encourage your friends who are um minorities to make friends. With with white people or whatever, or the other way around. Integration is really the is the is the key to all of this. Mm -hmm. A closer, more connected world. That that is the key. Yeah, I I said or the other way around because I think maybe white people should have the um, yeah responsibility of no no look that's true. However, if we leave it to the people who are afraid to do the work, if they're afraid, therefore they're bigoted. You can't put the onus on them because they're afraid and they're stupid. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If if we leave it, well, let's just wait for the bigots to come around. <laughs> Shit's not going to get done. That's what I mean when I say that. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a a lot of issues that go into this. We are kind of siphoning ourselves off into like-minded communities even i mean we're moving to locations where people agree with us and we're staying in those areas and not going into other places uh we try to latch on to people that are like us and we we befriend them and of course that's natural because it's hard to maintain a relationship with someone that you don't agree with on a lot of things yeah for some of us more more than others. Right. Because then you're always arguing. Uh, but if you like to argue, that's a plus. <laughs> so, yeah, I, this really is the issue. And I think part of the solution is not elevating people to positions of power that reinforce problematic sentiments. Yeah. Um, and fear. Yeah. Like Donald Trump, like Steve King um, in Iowa. These people should not be rewarded or given a platform to encourage people to be dicks 
um, or to normalize it. Well, because people can double down. Well, if Donald Trump believes that, mm-hmm. I was right all along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No good. Well, thanks, Mark, for the call. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on to John in Ohio. Hey, guys. It's John from Columbus. Um, <laughs> so I'm sitting here just hanging out playing some video games, and uh, my phone buzzes, and it tells me that Trump walks out of shutdown meeting, calling the talks a total waste of time. I listened to your uh, last episode where you kind of talk about this, and uh, <laughs> why does this not surprise me? Why why is this something that I just, I read it and I went, <laughs> and started laughing. I know that did sound original because it wasn't at the time, but started laughing hysterically. Um, he He didn't like it, so he left. It's a waste of time. Total waste. Who is this guy? And, oh my, it's just, you know, this doesn't surprise me, and I'm sure you guys will, you know, talk about it in the next episode and all that, but, oh my good Lord, I'm just starting to read this article, and this is just hilarious. He just up and walked, uh, left, just left the meeting from Donald Trump directly, at the real Donald Trump, just left the meeting with Chuck and Nancy, a total waste of time. I asked what was going to happen in 30 days if I quickly opened things up. Oh, my God. Like, I just said, no. I said, bye. Nothing else works. Like, he doesn't get his way. He throws little temper tantrums and storms out. This this is just pathetic. Uh, but, you know, as always, guys, you do a great, great job. Um, doing what you do, spreading the news, uh, spreading a good positive vibe, moving the conversation forward. Um, Brittany, you're the best part, but Jesse's, Jesse's sick was actually pretty funny. So for last week's episode, Jesse was the best part, but normally Brittany is the reigning king, or I should say queen of being the best part. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. He said it so he gets the drop. Yes. <laughs> I had the same reaction. I also laughed. Yeah. A be- lot of laughter yesterday from you. Because the art of the deal, right? We just don't understand what Donald Trump's doing. This is the art of the deal. Right. right. He he's the best negotiator. <laughs> he makes all the best deals. Obviously he has some sort of knowledge that we don't have. But my favorite thing that I read about this was in the Wall Street Journal. Okay. Now I it paints a picture for you, so I want you guys to really imagine this happening. A frustrated Mr. Trump put his hands in the air, two open palms on either side of his face, and said, bye-bye, and left the room. Like where you where you wave your hand, like your your, your the fingers go down to the palms. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> According to people familiar with the meeting. So he put his hands up, does the little clappy, bye-bye, and then walked out of the room like a child. Seriously, like a like a child. Right, because they asked him, or Donald Trump asked... Um, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi yeah. and Chuck Schumer if they had a counteroffer, right? We said, we want this much money for the wall. Um, do you have a counteroffer? You've said no, but do you have a counteroffer? And they said, no. No, we don't, because... You need to open the government. Yeah. That's their then priority we'll now. Right. It. Open the government. Then we can do this process. But people are hurting. We, our concern is the federal workers who are hurting. 
the government programs that are hurting because of this. And my favorite part about all this was that Nancy Pelosi walked out after the meeting, talked to reporters, and she said, quote, he thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money, but they can't. He thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money. But That's a burn. Can't. Yes. That is a burn. And imagine you you saw how Donald Trump or you can imagine how he reacted um, leaving the meeting. Imagine what happened when he heard her say that. And, and hopefully there were people in the room mm-hmm. who were, were there. No, so he knows they heard it, too. So there was a witness <laughs> to the burn. Yeah. 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 yeah that would have been ideal. <laughs> But this is true. And he keeps trying to act like, oh, I understand the struggles. I, I'm right there with them. They are willingly doing this sacrifice because they believe in my cause. Yeah, come on, man. All of this without evidence when, no, that is not the case. He thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money. God damn! Thanks, noob noob. This guy gets it. <laughs> In fact, we got an email from a listener about the government shutdown and how it is personally affecting them. Yeah. Hey, Brittany and Jesse, I didn't bother writing in until now to share this since I was optimistic there would at least be some indication of a compromise in the ongoing government shutdown. Unfortunately, as everyone is aware, not a lot of progress has been made. My wife is actually employed by a contract company of the Department of Agriculture. And Jesse, you were correct in saying a few episodes ago that she won't be receiving back pay. Indulge in horn tooting here if you'd like. Nah, too serious for for a joke about I was right. Good choice. Thank you. Other than, <laughs> oh teasing, teasing. Other than the whole not getting back pay issue, we could foresee a situation in which a deal is made where other, perhaps more essential agencies, such as the TSA and IRS, are funded, while others, such as the USDA, are not. We don't have evidence to think that, but even being in the Midwest, we aren't really hearing anyone talk about agriculture. I'm not sharing this to be a charity case, so please don't think that. I'm writing as a data point to remind everyone that the situation really is affecting lives and things can sometimes be closer to home than you think. Home, in this case, being the Page and Dollamore community. I'm also writing as a thank you for any time you spend talking about the shutdown, as I realize many people don't have any immediate reason to care about it. Best, Josh. So... I think that that is true. And I think that slowly turning, though, the longer the government shutdown goes on, specifically Josh's point about not many people knowing the extent of the damage that this government shutdown is doing. Not only is it costing more to have the government shut down than if it were open, um, a lot of programs and a lot of people are hurting as a result of the government shutdown. And people who really need it the most. Right. SNAP benefits, food stamp benefits are are either just starting to get cut into or getting ready to get cut into. Yeah, I believe that it is funded through February. But if the shutdown goes on longer than that, there is not funding into March. Right. And you also have people that get uh, vouchers for Section 8 housing that will no longer be protected from eviction from their landlords if they can't pay their rent. So you're going to have people who are homeless. You have um, food not being inspected. You have TSA employees calling in sick. Yeah. And airport security is decreasing. If I'm a disabled vet, so I get a a small check every month. And I happen to be insulated from this because I'm receiving my money. However, look, 
dispel any rumors, we're not living super high on the hog. It's not like just we have just buckets of money everywhere. Um, if I was to miss that check, hard choices would have to be made. Mm-hmm. So I, even though I'm insulated, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a normal human who has empathy and can understand, oh, shit, it must be very serious for people. Because if I missed even that little amount of money, hard choices. Mm-hmm. And hard, those same hard choices are being made by hundreds and thousands of people all across the country right now, if not millions, when you start talking about contractors and everybody else. Right. And this is at the hands of one single solitary individual who has a vanity project that isn't getting funded. He's holding all of these people hostage. Right. What has been the policy of the United States of America relative to negotiating with hostage takers? Mm-hmm. We don't fucking do it. If a terrorist takes a hijacks a plane and takes people hostage, the policy of the United States is we don't negotiate with hostage takers. Mm-hmm. So as much as I would like to see the Democrats put this to an end, if they do this, All it does is reinforce in Donald Trump's fucking childlike brain that all he has to do is do this again to get whatever jackass thing he wants. And then they'll they'll have to they'll have to capitulate. Right. You're speaking to basic like parenting skills. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Where if a parent pays attention to a temper tantrum in a store, for example, let's say a kid is screaming and crying and throwing a temper tantrum. The best thing that you can really do is ignore that kid. Yeah. Because even if you're looking at the kid and the kid knows that you're looking at him, you're giving the kid attention. If you give in to the demands, oh God, <laughs> then you're you're proving, oh, I can just throw a temper tantrum and get a crunch bar. Right. The problem with that is, is the president is the president of the United States. Right. And you can't just lock him in a crib and walk out of the room. Yes. The other terrifying variable here is that he's also threatening to declare a national emergency over this issue. Yeah. And Mike Pence actually reinforced this point today, Thursday, the 10th, saying that he hasn't made a decision about whether or not he's going to, but he knows that it is within his power to do so. And he feels basically that if, if, they don't give him what he wants, then it is within his power and ability to do that, to do what is necessary for the quote unquote safety of the country. Yeah. Despite the fact that illegal boarding crossings are down and it's really not even necessary to have increased border security. But um, Which he even admits to in a clip we're going to play later in Dollamocracy. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, let's get there. Everybody, thank you for your calls. Thank you for your emails. We appreciate it very much. We'd love to hear from you for our next episode. 657-464-7609. Or, of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore.
We want to take a minute and thank everybody for their support of the show. Do not forget that there are other ways outside of Patreon that you can support the show. You can donate on PayPal. You can buy stickers from the sticker shop on dollamore.com. We still have some of those uh, Dollamore page 2020 stickers. We do. Yeah. You can also shop on Amazon at dollamore.com slash Amazon. And listen, everybody. Jeff Bezos needs that money more now than ever now that he's getting divorced and he's going to lose maybe half of his hundred and some billion dollar fortune. Mm-hmm. We need to refill those coffers. So you go to dollamore.com slash Amazon and help little Jeffrey out. <laughs> that is one way to talk about the Amazon support. Yeah. Uh, yes. Look, I just want to let everybody know if we start advertising, mm-hmm. we start getting regular advertisers, we're going to be real about it. Yeah. <laughs> Much to an advertiser's chagrin, I think. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, we always appreciate you guys so much. We we are ever, it's ever present in our minds that we're here at the behest of you. It's only because of you and your support that we are able to continue to do what we do and have the lights on. So we love you guys so much. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we kind of shifted the, the 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 flow of the show last episode on 477 because while we were in the middle of the Patreon mid-roll, Brittany was reading the news and we learned about the Manafort uh, communicating with or f- funneling polling data yeah. to the Russian to a Russian linked. Um, a Russian intelligence-linked individual. Yes. Kalimnik is his name. Correct. Konstantin Kalimnik. Konstantin Kalimnik. So I want to just give a brief overview, and then because we still don't know much about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do know that that information was destined for two separate Russian oligarchs. And remember what I said last episode about the oligarchs in Russia. They are not private citizens. I mean, they are private citizens, but they are 100% working at the direction and in the power that they have because of Vladimir Putin. So they are all closely linked in a in a satellite orbit around the the little pinhead of Vladimir Putin. Okay, we're going to move on now to that new bombshell in the Russian investigation. Prosecutors accusing former Trump campaign chair Paul Manafort of sharing polling data with a man tied to Russian intelligence during the 2016 campaign. It is the clearest sign yet of possible collusion between the Trump team and Russia. Our chief justice correspondent, Pierre Thomas, is tracking the case from Washington. Pierre, the accusation revealed by one of Manafort's own attorneys. George, good morning. That's right. Manafort's attorneys accidentally posted this information in a court filing yesterday, and it was supposed to be redacted. But make no mistake, this revelation is startling. Mueller's team is accusing Manafort of lying about sharing polling data related to the 2016 presidential campaign with a man suspected of having ties to Russian intelligence. In fact, one of the special counsel's witnesses has described Konstantin Kalimnik as being a former member of the Russian military's GRU. The same outfit accused of hacking the DNC. FBI agents working with the special counsel say Kalimnik's ties to Russian intelligence continued during the 2016 election season. Administration critics, including House Intelligence Chairman Adam Schiff, are suggesting this could be hard evidence of collusion, George. Yeah, this is during the campaign, but we don't know exactly what the polling data was, right? That's right. We don't know yet, George, but it's potentially the kind of information that the Russians who were doing the trolling and trying to interfere with the campaign might have found useful. So that's where the crux of this really lies. It's very, very unlikely that they were sharing 
high level, and by high level, I mean like an aerial view snapshot of what was going on in the polling. Like, oh, Donald Trump's approval rating is 56%. They were probably sharing granular data, like down to the ver- to precinct level of how things were going. Mm-hmm. And that would explain, and I'm speculating here, but it would explain how the Russians from Russia had such an expert understanding to the community level how to target on Facebook. You don't just guess and get that, especially when you're foreigners and you don't really understand the ins and outs of the American or that foreign political system. You don't understand the cultural variations that cause someone to vote Democrat or Republican. You don't understand the racial makeup of the country unless you have super granular detailed statistics and uh, and polling data. And that's likely where they got that. We don't know yet. We're going to find out. And again, I'll repeat what I said last episode. You don't give something like this to a hostile foreign intelligence service unless you're getting something in return. It wasn't out of the goodness of his heart. That, oh, yeah, you want to look at it? Yeah, here you go. Because you don't know whether that's going to fall into the wrong hands. Maybe they're going to give it to Hillary Clinton. Right. They gave it because they're getting something in return. Mm -hmm. So it seems to me that a reasonable person would assume that that thing that they're getting in return is assistance on the campaign to help them in their cause of getting elected. Right. Was it? True. I believe that I read this, that the House Intelligence Committee did not know this news about Paul Manafort. That is true. So what you've been saying about there are things Mueller knows that nobody knows. Right. Is correct. Yeah, for sure. And it is likely big things that Mueller knows that nobody else knows. But something also interesting is Donald Trump continuing to talk about, I mean, he hasn't talked about it for a while, but um, into December, he was talking about a pardon for Paul Manafort. Right. He continues to bring this up only related to Paul Manafort, um, I think, and Michael Flynn too, right? Or He won't rule it out. It's one of those deals. But that's different from like his treatment of Michael Cohen. Right, right. Who he very much hates now um (laughs) but you have to wonder maybe if there's a connection between those things yeah where the threat is right that's where he's going to leave the the possibility of a pardon open where the really true threat lies because if you think he's giving away polling data to the russians without donald trump knowing you're out of your motherfucking mind Mm -hmm. he donald trump was a this was a small operation they didn't run their campaign like hillary clinton did which was a traditionally run presidential campaign with a wide swath of employees. This was 50 or 80 people mm-hmm. on Donald Trump's campaign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like he kept it small like he does his company. Right. From the the operational side. So that uh the corruption is widespread but minimal because and, it's only 50 people. Right, right. And provable though. See, that's <laughs> what, I have been saying that about Robert Mueller knows what the fuck? He's got evidence for all of this. Now what they're doing, I believe they're in the stage of compiling the case. Mm-hmm. I think the investigatory um, aspects of, of their inve- of the their situation is, eh, it's likely at the tail end here. Mm-hmm. 
one one signal of that is that uh, Rod Rosenstein has said that he's get, he's going to step down uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. And previous to that, he said that he would only step down when he knew the Mueller case was safe from interference. Mm-hmm. So it must be toward the end here. Mm-hmm. But Robert Mueller has a pile of things that we don't know about. And, you know, we, we may... This was a lucky fluke that Paul Manafort's attorneys are morons yeah. <laughs> and didn't redact this properly. Uh-huh. But we're going to see. And it's going to be, look, it's all speculation. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But but again, I think it's reasonable to assume that things aren't looking good for Donald Trump because that which we do know is damning enough. Just imagine, because Robert Mueller doesn't just have a team of investigators like like their private investigators. He has the the power of the United States intelligence services and access to their information as well. This is this is going to be a slam dunk. Yeah, and that might be part of the reason that Donald Trump is so panicked and throwing these temper tantrums is that there's no one else that he will have left if if he loses his base. Yeah. If Ann Coulter keeps attacking him because he's not strong enough on getting this wall done. Um he loses his base. There's no one to prop yeah. him up during this <laughs> oncoming train of <laughs> chaos that's going to take him down. It's a whole different variation of the Trump train. <laughs> and and if you remember what happened with Nixon and that slow turn in public opinion, yeah. and you look at where Donald Trump's approval rating is right now, he needs his base. Well, you've heard anchors say, maybe we've even said it on the show, repeating them, but Nixon's Nixon's support was there. Until it wasn't. Right. And it happened pretty quick. Mm -hmm. If you listen to Slow Burn, apparently this is the episode brought to you by other podcasts, but we would suggest you listen to Slow Burn, Mm -hmm. the Watergate uh, series that they did. Yeah. Because it... There's a lot of correlation mm-hmm. between what is happening now and what happened in the 70s right. with Richard Nixon, especially related to the support of the party mm-hmm. for Richard Nixon. Yeah. The, the the voters loved him still. He was had high levels of support from Republicans. Right. Until oh shit, look at all this evidence. Oh, no, no more. Mm-hmm. It just happened all of a sudden. Well, and you're starting to see that because there will come a point where these Republicans that are going to be up for re-election again soon, yeah. um, they are going to have to make their constituents happy. Yeah. If their constituents are being hurt by this government shutdown, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember where their Republican representatives stood on this issue. And we're starting to see them flip now, Republicans. For sure. And that's the other thing. And I have a clip here that we can get to or I can play now. It's kind of out of order chronologically relative to what's been going on. But Donald Trump now, you know, when when Donald Trump starts emphasizing something over and over and over, it's very likely he's trying to convince you of something that's not true. <laughs> and just he just stepped on to, to uh, Marine One to, to fly to not on Marine Run to fly there, but to fly to Air Force One to get down to Texas mm-hmm. to, to go to the border. And he repeats over and over and over how unified and how beautiful the unity among Republicans is right now. Right. Which is just a clear sign. Yeah. <laughs> shit's not great in the Republican Party. Yeah. But let's get to his speech and the chaos that followed that. Good evening. In just a couple of days, 800,000 Americans will face a Friday without a paycheck. Millions more who rely on federal agencies and services or just the dollars that federal employees spend 
will continue to face the consequences of the government shutdown. And judging by what played out today, the standoff that's driving it over the wall that President Trump wants Congress to pay for could drag on for another pay cycle and another. Just last night from the Oval Office, President Trump said it didn't have to be this way. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting. I have invited congressional leadership to the White House tomorrow to get this done. Well, today they had that meeting and he walked out. He asked uh, Speaker Pelosi, will you agree to my wall? She said no. And he just got up and said, then we have nothing to discuss. And he just walked out. Just left a meeting with Chuck and Nancy, the president tweeted. A total waste of time. I asked what is going to happen in 30 days if I quickly open things up. Are you going to approve border security, which includes a wall or steel barrier? Nancy said no. I said bye-bye. Nothing else works. Actually, according to a congressional aide, before he walked out, there was also this exchange with Minority Leader Schumer. Senator Schumer allegedly said, you are using people as leverage. Why won't you open the government and stop hurting people? President Trump then responded, because then you won't give me what I want. Chuck, as the president calls him, characterized the walkout that followed as a temper tantrum. Republicans, who also spoke after the meeting, disagreed with that assessment of it. Whatever you want to call it, the president continues to portray his offer of a steel barrier instead of concrete as some kind of a concession to Democrats, which, whatever you may think his position or their position is, as a factual matter, it's simply not a concession. This isn't a debate over building materials. According to another Republican lawmaker in the room, he did bring at least one thing to the negotiating table. When we entered the room, the president, again, calling all the leaders together to solve this problem. He even brought a little candy for everybody. Mmm, candy. According to a source <laughs> familiar, and no, I'm not kidding, it was Butterfingers, Baby Ruth, and M&M's. And after the meeting, his surrogate offered much the same lines he employed last night, painting what, what's happening on the border as a crisis, doing it in a way that doesn't quite fit the facts, suggesting, as Congressman Steve Scalise did today, that a wall would prevent opioids from coming in when, according to Customs and Border Patrol, most heroin is smuggled through legal points of entry and the most powerful uh, fentanyl usually comes from China through the mail. The spin and the fact-twisting you saw after that White House meeting was matched by similar stuff leading up to it, including what the president said following his Capitol Hill meeting today with congressional Republicans. The Republican Party, I can say, and I just left an hour meeting with a Great time, actually. There was, no, there was no discussion about anything other than solidarity. We want national security and border security for our country. Well, keeping them honest on the solidarity front, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski said she spoke out at the meeting today about the shutdown's impact. She, Susan Collins, and Colorado Senator Cory Gardner favor reopening the government without a border deal. And at least five House Republicans have already voted with Democrats on their legislation to reopen the government without wall funding. But... The president certainly continues to have considerable support within his own party. He continues to call it a crisis, though the actual numbers of people coming across the border illegally are significantly down from their high decades ago. If it's not a crisis, is it, as the president has also called it, an emergency? He said it was the other day on the White House lawn, and he said this when asked about it today. Mr. President, what's your current thinking on a national emergency? Why didn't you announce it last night, and when might because you? Because I think we might work a deal, and if we don't, I may go that route. I, I have the absolute right to do national emergency if I want. What's your threshold for when you might make that decision? Uh, my threshold will be if I can't make a deal with people that are unreasonable. Well, that's not a national emergency, dickhole. I was totally prepared for him to say what's a threshold. 
<laughs> but here's what we're talking about. Well, first of all, the, the him talking about solidarity in this clip, that's not what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll play that in a little bit. We'll, you can see, because well, this is just minutes ago that he did that. And it's extra over the top than even that was. Yeah. But even this is what we're talking about, about public opinion being swayed. Mm-hmm. Even on Fox News, Shep Smith, after the speech, immediately took to the airwaves. And I know Fox News or uh, Shep Smith isn't the most, doesn't have the most strident fan base over there at right. Fox News. They Kinda probably hated. saw his face and turned it off. Right, right. Let's be fair. But also Chris Wallace is there. Mm-hmm. The two most respected people. They've got to be getting through to someone. And this was in the immediate aftermath of Donald Trump's speech from the Oval Office. President Trump speaking from the Oval Office. In a short time, there will be a response uh, from the Democrats. He made a number of claims there, uh, speaking specifically about uh, murder rates among those who are undocumented immigrants. The government statistics show that there is less violent crime by the undocumented immigrant population than by the general population. He called it a crisis of the heart and soul. He talked about drug crossings the border, but government statistics show much of the heroin actually comes not over the unguarded border, but through ports of call. Uh, he talks about undocumented crossings over the past the past months. In fact, the number of undocumented crossings over the southern border has been steadily down over the last 10 years, and the government reports that there is more outward traffic than inward traffic. As for the trade deal he mentioned with Mexico, which he said would pay for the wall, that trade deal is not yet complete. And the president said that uh, law enforcement professionals have requested the $5.7 billion. It's he who requested it, and it's he who said he would own the shutdown. Nevertheless, he's making the case to keep his base together on this matter. Chris Wallace is live with us in Washington. Does that make the case, Chris, for his base? Well, it certainly does make the case for his base. The question is that uh, whether the base is enough, and the answer is it isn't, because the Democrats, in an election in which the border wall was a major issue, took control of the House, and they have enough votes in the Senate also to block any legislation <clears throat> there. You know, in the movie The Godfather, they talk about making an offer that you can't refuse. The president tonight was making an offer the Democrats can't accept. Uh, one thing he talked about was the shutdown, and he kept saying it, that there's a shutdown because the Democrats refused to fund the wall. The Democrats have just passed a bill to fund every agency in the government, including the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, it's the president and the Republicans in the Senate who've refused to pass that. Uh, and they're now this week going to pass individual bills to open individual departments. And the Republicans and the president are saying, they're going to refuse to pass that my only critique there for shep is that he could have used more simplistic terms um i you know in case well the president would have wouldn't have been watching because he was walking to the bedroom yeah to go get a cheeseburger yeah i'm talking about for everyone else yeah for the fox news audience the ports of call shep please explain what that is that it's (laughs) like what anderson said that most that most of it is coming through in legal shipments. That's right. That's right. Right. Um, and also, most people who um, are co- are in the country illegally got here by overstaying visas, having flown into the country. Right. Yeah. I also want to talk about a point that Anderson made, which is the going from the concrete wall yeah. to now the steel slat design, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think Donald Trump de- described as beautiful or something. 
Everything's a beautiful, beautiful design. But uh, fantastic, tremendous. Believe me. Department of Homeland Security, they tested a prototype today of this steel slat design. That just happened today. Yeah, they told them to attempt to destroy the barrier with common tools. Now, what happened was one of the Marines that was instructed to do this just gave it a karate chop and it broke. Really? No. Oh, they used Jesus. a saw. What? Come on. <laughs> they used a saw and got through it, but you can just saw through it. Right. There's a giant hole in it now. With common tools. Right. That they use. Yes. So, uh, what? What? What now? What is the plan now? Yeah. That anyone can just walk up to this steel slat design, beautiful wall border fence and cut into it. Cut through it? Yeah, cut through it. So it isn't, what does that do to inhibit people from come, from the hordes of caravans that are coming across the border? Mm-hmm. Not happening, but what what's to stop them if all they need is a hacksaw? Yeah, it's like the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> They'll just use a dull blade and saw through yeah, little, the border. More modern, you could have said the show you've been loving to watch. Escape at Danamora. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that. So anyway, after we, we played the very brief clip of it from Nancy Pelosi. He thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money. God damn! But uh, here's the some of a little bit larger section of her statement um, rebutting. After having just left, she was still in the portico of the White House talking to the media. few days, uh, many uh, federal workers will not be receiving their paychecks. And what that means in their lives is tragic in terms of their credit rating, paying their mortgage, paying their rent, paying their car payment, paying their children's tuition and the rest. The president seems to be insensitive to that. He thinks maybe they could just ask their father for more money, but they can't. But they can't, and we think that the collateral damage that he is causing uh, by, uh, well, I'm going to yield to the leader to talk about that, but I would say this, uh, if you don't understand financial insecurity, uh, then you would have a policy that takes pride in saying, I'm going to keep government shut down for months or years, unless you totally agree to my position. I yield to the leader. Now, this brings me to the Democratic response. We're kind of all over the board here because this happened the day after. And But it is my opinion that the Democrats need a better face of the party than going to the disapproving grandma and grandpa for the Democratic response who are standing shoulder to shoulder at one single podium looking stern and disapproving. <laughs> Come on, man. Like they just found your weed. The Demo- That's exactly right. The Democratic Party is filled to the brim with charisma. Mm-hmm. Filled to the brim with, with, with individuals, representatives, and senators who resonate with the American people. For sure. Why do they go to these two? They might be wonderful. They are wonderfully skilled tacticians mm-hmm. related to legislation. And the 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 parliamentary procedures of their individual respective bodies, but they're not who we need to go to 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 really inspire America that Donald Trump is wrong. Come yeah. on. Yes, and I think a lot of people agreed with you 
on that. I was tracking the reactions. I was at work, so I couldn't actually watch it at the time, but I was tracking the reactions as it was happening live. And that seemed to be the general sentiment, at least based on the people that I follow on Twitter, which are a lot of mainstream journalists as well, not just um, people that some might consider far left. Haters like me. Um, (laughs) And uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was actually on with Rachel Maddow, and she didn't do an official rebuttal obviously she wasn't um behind the tiny little podium but she was on rachel maddow's show shortly after and she ended up giving a response or rebuttal to donald trump's speech and moreover the one thing that the president has not talked about is the fact that he has systematically engaged in the violation of international human rights borders on uh, human rights on our border he has separated children from their families he talked about what happened the day after christmas on the day of christmas a child died in ice custody the president should not be asking for more money I just want to pause it there really quick because she said ICE custody and what she should have actually said is customs and border protection. Yeah. Uh, I know it's probably doesn't make a huge difference. I understand. But I just want to correct well, that. Well, we want to fact check where we can when where we catch a mistake. You know, it's it's important. Well, everyone is also attacking her for that. Oh, and really? Jumping on that one point to God, attack damn. her is not being factual. Or should I say? God damn. <laughs> uh, it's to be expected. So, yeah. Yeah to an agency that has systematically violated human rights. The president should be really defending why we are funding such an agency at all. Because right now, what we are seeing is death. Right now, what we are seeing is the violation of human rights. These children and these families are being held in what are, what are called yeleras, which are basically freezing boxes that no person should be maintained in for any amount of time, let alone the amount of time that they are being kept on. and. Moreover, even if you are anti-immigrant in this country, the majority of immigrant overstays, the majority of the reason that people are undocumented is visa overstay. It's not because people are crossing a border illegally. Uh, it is it is because of visa overstay, which, mind you, he's talking about legal immigration. He's trying to restrict every form of legal immigration there is in the United States. Mm. He's fighting against family reunification. He's fighting against the diversity visa lottery. He's fighting against almost every way that people can actually legally enter this country, forcing them to become undocumented. And then he's trying to attack their undocumented status. This This is systematic, it is wrong, and it is anti-American. And again, those women and children trying to come here with nothing but the shirts on their back to create an opportunity and to provide for this nation are acting more in an American tradition than this president is right now. So that was awesome. Yeah. And fantastic. That is the energy that I think you were talking about, Jesse, that you would like to see. Exactly what I was talking about. And I know that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are in a tough spot. They kind of have to play a game. But I was also somewhat disappointed by Chuck Schumer calling this just a policy disagreement. And Nancy Pelosi also saying that there is a need for increased border security, just not in this way. You keep on hearing these facts reported by Shep Smith, by Anderson Cooper, about how illegal border crossings are down year after year and have been going down since Obama was in office. You're, You're hearing about where the drugs actually come from, how they're actually coming in. You're hearing all these things. Why are Democrats continuing to say that or legitimize We agree that there is a need for increased. Right. When there's not. Yeah. There is no need. There's a need for maybe decreased. 
because of the fact that the dangers are less there. The threats are less coming from the, the, the southern border. Right. And saying it's a policy difference, it's actually like a reality perception difference where Donald Trump is not viewing reality and then other people are viewing reality. Yeah. And that is more what I would appreciate being highlighted and what I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did a pretty good job of yeah. in, in her speech there. I think... Um Again, this goes back to we need a better face for the party. With well, the Democrats, I'm, you know, sometimes I, although I am a registered Democrat, I sometimes want to go back to no party preference. However, well, that's for a thing for another day. Um, it does strike me as if they were truly the, 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 the strategists that they purport themselves to be, and I think them to be, they would want a different face. They could run the show, pulling the levers from the inside, and then have someone to be the spokesman for the party, to be that charismatic figure. Mm -hmm. They need to do that. Yes. Yes. Put their fame aside. Put their camera time aside. Mm -hmm. Well, and unfortunately, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is... A freshman congressman. Freshman congressman. She's also being attacked in a way that you would expect a young, attractive woman who uh, comes from a working class background who's now in a position of power to be attacked. Yeah. Um, it's disgusting. It's really disturbing, but I appreciate the strength that she's bringing to the table in retweeting that Daily Caller article that talked about that fake nude selfie. I mean, yeah. I, it's something I don't even want to talk about because I don't want to have people like Googling it or whatever. But she retweeted Daily it. Daily Caller, by the way, which is Tucker Carlson's outfit. She retweeted it. She owned it. Yeah. And, and it wasn't even her. Yeah, it's fake. But this is how they try to bring women down is by oh, she's a sex object. Yeah. And the same thing is still happening with Nancy Pelosi. Someone sent you a, a meme thinking that you would appreciate this about how she doesn't swallow. You know, what do women have to do? How much power do they need to have? What do they need to achieve before people stop talking about dicks being in their mouth? Yeah. I mean, honestly, it enrages me. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has overcome a lot to get into this position. And I think she's doing a lot of good. She's not perfect, but she's doing a lot of good. and She's making a lot of change. And there are still men who are saying no. We're going to bring you back down. Yeah. And it pisses me off. Can you tell I'm pissed off? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at your face while you talk so I can see you're pissed off. Okay, good. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, my pissed offness has gotten us this far. <laughs> it's gonna. We're going to rely on yours to get us the next five years. All right. <laughs> well, in order to continue the anger festival that we're having on the show, uh, Donald Trump decided to take his show on the road. <laughs> And <laughs> he went to the border to admire the amazing prototype that got sliced into easily. And before he left, he made a statement to the press. Hello, bro. So we're going to Texas. We're going to the border. Just spoke to some of my friends in Arizona. We have tremendous support. The Republicans are extremely united. They all want to see something happen, but they're extremely united. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen unity like this in the Republican <laughs> Party. Uh, the media 
which I call the opposition party, a lot mm. of the media, uh, in coordination with the Democrats. Uh, they're not talking about the Democrats folding. For instance, uh, this morning, a number of people came out and said, you do need very strong border security, and that includes a wall or whatever it is. Uh, a number of Democrats said that, but people don't like to report on it. Uh, we have tremendous unity in the Republican Party. Again. It's really a beautiful thing to see. I don't think there'll be any breakaway because they know we need border security and we have to I'm have count it. that as well. And one. the only way you're going to have border security, there's only one way. You can have all the technology in the world. I'm a professional at technology. But if you don't have a steel barrier or a... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm a professional at technology, says the 72-year-old president who doesn't use a computer. Donald Trump doesn't use email, doesn't use a computer, but he's an expert, a professional, excuse me, at technology. Wall of some kind, strong, powerful, you're going to have human trafficking, you're going to have drugs pouring across the border, you're going to have MS-13 and the gangs coming in, and we've done record apprehensions, we're doing a great job, but we need help. If we have the wall, we could have far fewer people working in terms of border security and doing an even better job. So if we had the wall, we could have a tremendous saving. I, be, I really believe the, the steel barrier or wall would pay for itself every three or four months and maybe even better than that in terms of overall. So that's it. Uh, just a couple of things, because uh, I know the fake news likes to say it. When during the campaign, I would say Mexico is going to pay for it. Obviously, I never said this and I never meant they're going to write out a check. I said they're going to pay for it. They are. They are paying for it with the incredible deal we made called the United States, Mexico and Canada USMCA deal. It's a trade deal. It has to be approved by Congress. It probably will be other than maybe they even hold that up because they want to have you know they want to do as much harm as they can only because of the 2020 presidential election so mexico is paying for the wall indirectly and when i said mexico will pay for the wall in front of thousands and thousands of people obviously they're not going to write a check but they are paying for the wall indirectly many many times over by the the really great trade deal we just made. Congress has to approve the deal. Okay, so he's really highlighting the importance of the wall because he says that he's the king of technology or whatever, <laughs> and technology is not going to get it done. What's going to get it done is the big, beautiful wall, okay? We just talked about how they slashed a hole in it, okay, using common tools. They said, hey, here's some common tools. Try to Try to get through this wall. They got through it, no problem. Um, testing was also done in 2017, and there were eight prototypes. And that report from Custom Customs and Border Protection showed that all eight prototypes were vulnerable to breaching, inc yes. including the steel slats. So a spokesman from the Customs and Border Protection has said that these prototypes, quote, were not and cannot be designed to be instructable, indestructible. However... 
During the presidential campaign, Trump promised to build a, quote, impenetrable, physical, tall, powerful, beautiful wall. Yeah. Okay. And you hear him reinforcing his point now, but you also hear him changing his story on Mexico paying for it. Well, I never said they were going to write a check. Well, how... I meant wire transfer. What, what, what the fuck does he mean? <laughs> What's going to be odd and hilarious to see is all of the MAG Americans who are now going to change. Well, no, we never believed they were actually really going to pay. It was a metaphor. All right, well, spell metaphor first and then tell me that, dumbass. Yeah, it's it's really disturbing. But they obviously told him, listen, you need to say something about this yeah. because no one's buying it anymore and we need to address it. And he didn't, that's an an ineffectual way yeah. of addressing it. Oh. Well, obvi- obviously, I didn't really mean it when I said it thousands of times. Yeah, I thought it was just going to be large bills. Ugh. Not a check, just large bills. Pallets of cash, like with the Iran, the, the Iran deal. Yes. That he's always whining about. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> It's the asshole of today. Donnie Romero. Donnie Romero. A Baptist minister in Texas. He, people know who he is because after the 2016 shooting at the nightclub in Orlando, Florida, the gay nightclub in Orlando. The Pulse nightclub. He made some terrible, disgusting, uh, horrific statements, um, specifically praising the gunman. Yeah. In that situation. Um, one thing that he said, quote, I'll pray to God that God will finish the job that that man started. Referring to the shooter. Referring to sending them to burn in hell for eternity. Yeah. And that video of that sermon, because it was a sermon, of course, uh, was removed from YouTube. But the reason that he is asshole of today, if you haven't heard enough already, because that qualifies right. right there, he has resigned from his church. I know this is going to be shocking, guys, but he resigned after allegedly paying for sex mm. with prostitutes. So from the pulpit, he he extols the virtues of sexual purity mm. and then pays for sex from a prostitute. Yes. He said that he, quote, had not been ruling my house well. I have been a terrible husband and father. And in his a YouTube video is what he recorded to resign from his position. Quote, this is the best decision for my family and my church to make. He didn't elaborate on the specific details of the prostitutes, but he said that it involved a major sin of being with prostitutes. And then there was also marijuana and gamb- gambling. God. Wow. Mm hmm. It, it, it's never surprising. Of it really not. is never surprising when these ding-dongs uh, get busted doing the same thing that they're wishing people burn in hell for forever. Yes. The 49 people, I believe it was 49 people that were killed at the Pulse nightclub attack. Yep. Um, he's wishing them burn in hell. Mm-hmm. Yet he's he's banging prostitutes. Yes. Yeah. God damn. And like I said, it's it's never surprising, but I, I kind of I'm starting to wonder at this point because it does it doesn't surprise me. I'm always waiting for the shoe to drop. Right. right? right as right. soon as I hear someone banging on about sex, gay yeah. sex or 
sodomy, whatever it might be. I'm just wondering when the news will come out that they are just living a crazy life behind the scene. <laughs> you know, can I can I um, can I ask for an honorable mention for asshole of today? Of course. At the top of the show, you mentioned people like Steve King. Yeah. And he's in the news. And I want I want that added because I think the audience needs to know. All right. Well, let's uh, read this quote. Steve King, who just got reelected, by the way, by a sizable margin margin. He was up against a guy named J.D. Scholten, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he won handily. Steve King. Yeah. So he was talking about immigration. Of course, it was the context for this. And he said that he supports immigrants who enter the country legally and fully assimilate. Because what matters more than race is, quote, the culture of America based on values brought to the United States by whites from Europe. And then he this went is a on. Quote. That's a quote, everybody. And then he went brought on. By whites from Europe. Then he went on to say that part of it is not in quotes, but the culture of America was in oh, quotes. Okay. Um, but here's what comes next. And it's in quotes. Uh, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that become offensive language? <laughs> Why did I sit in classes teaching me about the merits of our history and our civilization? So white supremacy. What? Why is that? Listen, everybody's so sensitive. When did white supremacy become such a bad thing? Yeah. Steve King. Mm-hmm. Read the quote one more time. And we're going to end on this note from Steve King, an elected congressman. Sitting in the House of Representatives right now. Right. Said this. Not Brittany. Steve King. Steve King. Quote, white nationalist, white supremacist, Western civilization. How did that language become offensive? Uh, Just sit with that, everybody. We got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. And that is exactly what that indicates. But you know what? Nothing well-deserved comes easy. Nothing that is important comes easy, and winning in this battle is very, very important. Thank you for joining us for this episode and for the battle at large, for the war at large, for the soul of our civilization. We appreciate you guys. I don't mean to make it too heavy here, but um, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, The community that you have built with us is a wonderful thing. We appreciate your support helping us keep the lights on on Patreon um, through buying merch at dollamore.info at buying stuff on Amazon, Amazon, uh, dollamore.com slash Amazon. All of that is important. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you next time for episode 479 for Brittany Page. I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>